Luke chapter number 15 tonight. This is one of my most favorite stories in all the Bible. I told Amy either today or yesterday, one, I don't remember. As many times as I've preached out of this, I said it's the Lord's just showing me things that I've never, really just never seen um, that I really believe it's, He's waited till now to show me because now's when I need to be able to preach what I'm fixing to preach for the help of our church. And here's what I know. Um, sometimes God will use a message to help one family. Now the whole church can get help, and I think you will, but uh, if nothing else, I know it's for at least one family, but I believe it's for more. Let, let me just ask this question. Is there any parents here tonight? Um, that you look at your children and their life and you you can raise your hand and say, Brother Josh, as a parent, I am a parent to a prodigal. Is there anybody? So there's at least two right now, three. Uh, at least three. And so I think it's amazing that God has took time for you three tonight. Uh, you may not have a prodigal and you should throw both hands up if you don't. But how many of y'all know that um, that could change by sunup in the morning? Um, some of y'all have some of you all have adult children, and they could make one their one bad decision from the far country. And so maybe you'll never have to experience that. Maybe you'll never go through that. And I, I sure hope you don't. I, I don't wish that on nobody. So let me ask this question: How many of you are familiar with somebody, or friends with somebody, or family with somebody that is a parent to a prodigal? Anybody? See, there's more hands there. And so I, I really believe this will be a help and a blessing. And unfortunately, there's probably a young man or a young woman here tonight that when they hit that age of I'm a man or I'm a woman, they're probably going to lean out into the far country. And so, Mom and Daddy, I'm going to instruct you on what you're supposed to do. I've always preached on the prodigal, every preacher does, and I have even preached on the other brother. Some of y'all were here for that. Uh, it's been years ago, but I preached on the son who stayed. The son who stayed. Uh, but tonight, I'm not going to preach on the prodigal son or the son, the other brother who stayed. Tonight, I'm going to preach on the parents of the prodigal. Deacon, if you can find which one of those that is to cut that off, I'd greatly appreciate it. It's driving me nuts. It's right here. It's these two. So if you can turn them off back there for me, just these two, that'd be a real blessing. Uh, if you could do that. I know they turn off. So, nope. These main two above the projector right here. You can find them. That'd be a blessing. Thank you. And then after church, we can change that bulb. All right? Anyways, the prodigal son, his brother. But tonight I'm going to preach on how to parent a prodigal. How to parent a prodigal. Did everybody hear what I said? How to parent a prodigal. Um, the Bible is, is very clear on this subject. Let's look in Luke 15, chapter number 15, verse number 11. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible said, He said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into the far country, 
And there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Again tonight our thought is this, how to parent a prodigal. Please pray with me and pray for me here tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house tonight, Lord. We thank you for the sweetness that we feel. Uh, Lord, the solemn, just calm, peaceful uh, spirit of God, Lord. And uh, Lord, that don't bother me. I, I enjoy preaching in, uh, Lord, this kind of setting. And so, Lord, thank you for coming by. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would help me to be able to help your people. Uh, God, these are things that you have showed me, Lord. These are things that... Uh, individually, just you and me this week have spent time together. God, you have illuminated some things in my heart, and I pray that, God, I'd be able to bring those truths out and make the parents, uh, Lord, that are here tonight of a prodigal, Lord, to make them better at being the parent of a prodigal. Lord, for those who are maybe not in that situation, I pray they'd write, and I pray, Lord, they'd remember and just hold on to these things just in case. Down the road, God forbid, they become the parent of a prodigal or know somebody that is, that they might be able to help them through and by the truth of your word. Thank you for speaking to me and showing me some things. We love you. Preach me, uh, Lord, for thy glory. In Jesus' name and for his sake and all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Everybody knows the story of the prodigal son. Uh, it's, no, it's no coincidence that I believe that God has brought us here for this time, for this appointed hour, in this church, for these people. Uh, can I say tonight that if you are a parent of a prodigal, first and foremost, I want to say this, I do not understand how you feel. Uh, I don't know how you feel. I don't know the weight that, that you may be carrying. I, I don't know the frame of mind that you may be in one day and then a different frame of mind the next day. I, I don't know any of those things. But one thing I know from our text is that as soon as this prodigal son left, it is obvious to me, it is apparent to me, that as soon as he left for the far country, that his father began to wait on him to come back. Now, I know this about every parent that loves your child. There's nothing you want more for them. If you're in the house of God on a Wednesday night, it's fair to say to me that you want them to 
be in the house of God. If you're serving the Lord and singing in the choir, you want them to serve the Lord and sing in the choir. I believe it's safe to say in this in this particular text and probably in most situations here tonight uh, that this prodigal knew better than to do what he done. I mean, this daddy had raised him uh, the right way. I believe that he knew right from wrong. I, I believe he knew that that inheritance was not to be given out immediately. I, I believe he knew he wasn't supposed to go down to the far country and waste his money with riotous living. I, I think he knew better, yet he done what a prodigal does. He did what he knew not to do and he went contrary to everything that mama and daddy had taught him. I'm sorry to be so honest, but here's why. Because he wanted to. He wanted to. Can I say tonight that there's some things as a parent of a prodigal that you're going to have to digest. You're going to have to hold on to. You're going to have to do some things you don't want to do if you're going to see your prodigal come back home. That's just the facts of the matter. And I, I won't get out of our text. I'll give you no opinion. Everything I'll say will come from these verses. So that's done. That's over. Introduction. That's all I want to say. I want to get into how do you parent a prodigal. Number one, can I say as a parent of a prodigal, number one, you must learn how to stand. You must learn how to stand. I use the word learn on purpose because... Uh, Here's the facts. I I believe we all would say, well, bless God, I'll tell you, uh, if my son or my daughters did what uh, their son or their daughter was doing, bless God, here's what I'd do. Well, you better be careful how what you think you'd do because until you've been there, you don't know. But here, I'm going to tell you what you should do, but I believe it's a process in which you're going to have to learn uh, how to stand. Look at verse number 12. The Bible says this in verse 12, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth me. And he divided unto them his living. Can I say, uh, you must learn how to stand. Uh, may I say tonight that uh, it's not the job of the son to write the rules. It's not the job of the son to tell the father anything. It's not the job of the son to give orders. And that's exactly what he's doing. He didn't ask. He didn't say, Father, can you? give me my portion. He said Father give me. Now listen to me. Parents of a prodigal. Right now your prodigal child, son or daughter is focused on one person and that is themselves. Uh, Can I say tonight? He said give me. You want to know who was behind all this? It wasn't the devil. We blame the devil. It wasn't the devil. Uh, It wasn't the so and so down the road. It wasn't his four wheeling buddies and it wasn't those boys down at the hunting club. The problem at hand tonight with the prodigal is the prodigal. He wanted some things that he should not have wanted but his desires were wrong and his affections were wrong and his eyes were set on a city that they had no business being set upon. And some of y'all are here and you've watched your prodigal come home and here's what you know. Until they get sick of serving self, they will never come home. I don't know how else to put it to you other than you have to learn uh, how to stand. How do we stand as a parent of a prodigal? Number one you must stand acknowledging your father. Uh, I understand that this prodigal does not acknowledge his father. He does not honor his father. He does 
not respect his father and he don't respect all the things that his father has just invested in him. Does that sound familiar to any parents of a prodigal? I mean, this living that he just got given to him, he did not earn this living that he commanded be given to him. He didn't do one blessed thing to, uh, to receive that. It was the investment of his father and he could give a rip less about the blood, sweat, and tears that his dad had invested in his inheritance. He didn't think how precious that was and he didn't take time to look at that inheritance and say, boy, I remember daddy's alarm clock going off at 4 a.m. and going and slaving down at that sawmill. He didn't think about none of that. But my friend, how do you know? Because he blew it. He wasn't there but just a day and he'd blowed everything that his father had worked his whole life for. Now you must understand something about your prodigal. I'm not saying that they'll never change but when they are in the far country you must understand mama and daddy that you've got to keep standing on the very things that you raised them standing on and they don't give a rip about them. They don't care how much you've invested. They don't care how much you have raised them right and the morals you've taught. Right now they're focused on one thing and that's themselves. But that don't mean you stop standing. Because we know how this story ends. The prodigal comes home. But daddy does what he's supposed to do. Now listen to me. Parents of a prodigal, you can mess that up. I'm telling you. God the Holy Ghost. I didn't get this from a commentary. I ain't against them. I read the fire out of them. I didn't get it off Google. I didn't get it off Sermon Audio. I didn't get it off dumbpreachers.com. This was something God the Holy Ghost started in my heart in the bathroom at Brother Tobel's house. That's the truth. That's where I got the thought. I was in there and, and uh, he announces every time, you know, so y'all knew I was in there. And uh, I was just, I was meditating and thinking. And I was on my own blue letter Bible scroll and I was reading this. And, and the Lord spoke to me and said, won't you look at that parent for a few minutes? We've always looked at the prodigal. We've always looked at his brother. We've always looked at the father's house. We've always looked at the far country. And we've made every comparison and every contrast between the four or five things. But one thing I personally have never heard anybody deal with is how this father parented his prodigal. Can I say you must learn how to stand acknowledging the father Father, then secondly you must learn how to stand as a father and can I say until you learn how to stand acknowledging your father you'll never stand up being the father that you're supposed to be and can I say until you first learn to stand acknowledging your heavenly father and standing for your heavenly father you'll never stand as a father or a mother and can I say in verse number 12 here's a word that in the most parents in, uh, in, this, in this generation don't know but here's what his father should have told him in verse number 12 the Bible said and the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that fall to me and he divided unto them his living can I say there's one word that he should have spoke here that he did not speak and it's two letters and it starts with an M and it ends with an O uh, father give me no uh, can I say that's the problem that's why I, I just got on I didn't really get on to Amy yesterday. I didn't get on to her. I, I, I need to say my words better. Uh, I, I corrected, I guess you could say. Uh, Elijah lately has just been 
so aggravating, whining and wanting his mom and act like she can't go out to the mailbox and back and he just act like a wine sack and I am so fed up with it and uh, he was starting yesterday, she had to go get something and leave for, I mean she wasn't going 30 minutes and I want to go and I'm scared I don't want to stay here, I said you're scared to stay here with your father, uh, who you ask for at night when I'm gone you're scared because I'm not here you're not scared, uh, he's just he's cleaving, he's, and so and so, uh, he whined around and I said, I'm telling you, I'm about to whoop you, son. And I hardly hadn't got that out of my mouth. And Amy said, well, just get your shoes on. I said, absolutely not. He's not getting his shoes on. Elijah, you are not getting your way today. The answer is no. Can I say the reason that a lot of people will not accept the word no from God and they will not obey the voice of the Holy Ghost when he says no is because mama and daddy did not stand like they were supposed to stand and did not ever tell them no. Listen to me parents of prodigals I know it's hard but when that's the far You've got to learn how to say no. You're messing up their future. You're messing them up from coming home if you aid them in the far country. He should have told him no in verse number 12. He should have stood as a father. If you'll stand for the father, you'll stand as a father. But then, if you're going to be the parent of a prodigal, when you, you must learn to stand not only for the Father and as the Father, but then you've got to learn how to stand against your feelings. Good. Is anybody listening? Yeah. You know the biggest battle you're going to fight as a parent of the prodigal? Your heart. Right. Because you love the prodigal. And so did he. Now this dad's not without fault and he's not without blemish. I, I mean, I, I believe in verse 12 he should have said no and he gave in. But there's some things that he did right. And one thing that he did right was despite his heart breaking and despite his whole world coming down around him, he's invested his life. I can't imagine watching my little boy. I love my other kids. I love my daughters and my daughter to come. I already love her. But there's something special between a father and the son. I look at him, I, I see God is furthering my life through him and I think of the future and that's my buddy and he's my son but I see down the road he's my hunting buddy. I, I see down the road it's my, that's my fishing buddy and I see down the road that we can go up to his house one day when he gets married, has kids and he'll have questions. Maybe I can answer them and if I can't I'll act like I can because he won't know the difference. That's my buddy and I I think about in my mind if, if he were to ever just up and leave how it would do my heart I can't even imagine that's why I said I don't know how you feel but here's what I know you've got to learn to stand against your feelings you cannot compr compromise truth because the prodigal's your child you can't compromise standards because the prodigal's your child you must stand against your feelings my friend your feelings that will overrule and run you. We're not walking or living by feelings, but we're walking and living by faith. And if you don't stick with God, you'll destroy your prodigal from ever coming home. You've got to learn how to parent them. You've got to learn how to stand. You've got to stand. You've got to stand acknowledging the Father as the Father against your feelings, but you're going to have to learn how to stand accountable financially. 
You're going to have to learn how to stand accountable financially. Maybe not in your all situations that are here, but I know folks that had prodigals. You know what they all the time running to mom and daddy for? But that's my baby. And they said if I didn't give them $20, they couldn't eat today. And they, I can't let them be hungry. Listen to me. Yes, you can. Now see, that's a shoe that's hard to put on. But his daddy did. He about starved out. Y'all know that, right? We read it. He was walking around with pigs, people. Looking for something. I mean, he's willing to work for food and nobody will hire him. You realize that, don't you? I mean, he's willing to get a job. He's willing to in the far country. But that's what the far country does. It isolates them. Listen to me, parents of a prodigal. I promise you, if they don't get out of the far country, there is a day where they will be all alone. Yeah. Yes, sir. That day will come. It will come. That day came for me as an 18-year-old boy when God spoke to me and I looked around at my life and you know what? I had buddies and I, 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 knew, I knew this one, knew that one. I had places to go, people to see, things to do. But God revealed I really, I really was just all alone. And they will reach the flat of their back. But they'll never reach that place where they're on the flat of their back and the only direction to look is up. If you're constantly feeding them and you're constantly giving them a, a financial support, financial help, you say, it's my baby. I gotta be a mama. I gotta be a daddy. No, before you're a mama and before you're a daddy, you're a child of God, you're a Christian, you're a son, and you're a daughter uh, to the all-seeing uh, uh, I am the King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, and if you'll do right by him, God will make sure that my friend, that you won't be at fault, you'll not be at blame for nothing that happens to your selfish prodigals. Let them be hungry. Let them be cold. I know you didn't come to hear this, but do you want to see them come home? You can't keep paying their electric bill. I hate to just be honest with you. But this is from the text. Can anybody show me where he went and aided the son? He stood against his feelings. He stood accountable financially. Now, I, I understand he gave him more. He gave him finances he should have in verse 12. But once that was gone, that was gone. How many of you all know people that told their drug addict son or daughter? I'm done. I'm cutting you off from not giving no more. But as soon as that phone rings... This is the last time. Then the phone rings. I am not doing this no more. You know what that prodigal knows? You're not cutting him off. And until you do, they ain't coming home. They're not getting sick of their sin. They're not getting sick of self. They're not getting sick of not having nothing to eat because you are aiding them being a prodigal. His request to his father in verse 12 was prideful and proudly announced. He said, Father, give me. He should have never gave, but thank God he didn't continue to give. When he spent all, he spent all. Listen to this. If you're writing notes, and I hope you are, write this down. This will give you peace or somebody you know when it comes to being accountable financially as a parent to a prodigal. Write this down. I didn't get this from a book. I got it from God. You are required to provide for them in their raising. 
You are required to provide for them in their raising. You are required to provide for them in their raising, but not in their rebellion. Amen. Good. God does not require you to keep their head above water when they're in the open sands. God does not require you uh, to give them and help them and take them in and supply them. He does not require you. God's not going to be mad at you. You've not forsaken them. They're the one that took the road that led to the far country. If they wanted mamas and daddy uh, and their love, care, support and all that, they know where there's a warm bed, a nice fireplace and a robe with their name on it. You didn't force them to the far country and it ain't your job to keep them up the far country. You were required to raise them but you were not and you are not required to keep them afloat in the midst of their stinking rotten rebellion fact is the parent of this prodigal he didn't have to leave them nothing let alone give it to them early he didn't have to leave them nothing he didn't have to give them an inheritance but he did not only did he do it he gave it to them early and I say this whole thing's out of order from the first verse as a parent, this father should have said no and taken a stand. But because of his failure to stand, his son ends up in the far country. By the way, if his daddy would have told him no, I don't think he would have ever had the money to make the journey in the first place. Good. I wonder if daddy could prevent this whole thing by learning how to say no. How's he going to pay to get down there? How's he going to pay for a, for a life of righteous living if he ain't got no money? All daddy had to do was tell him no. He may have saved the whole trip of the far country. That's how important it is to know how to parent. If you're not careful, if you don't parent right, you'll create a prodigal. You'll create a prodigal. Your kids don't know what it's like to be told no. You are setting them up for major failure. All they got to do is whine and whimper and, and, and throw a hissy fit and they get their way. You are setting them up for the far country. Hello, I need some help tonight. I'm not mad. I'm trying to help you. I'm looking at little kids in here. Mom and Daddy, you need to start doing a little bit better job busting tail. You need to start telling them no. You know, sometimes I'll tell my kids no just because they need to hear it. I sure do. My mom's told me a thousand times, you're way harder than I was because I know how I was at 18. I ain't blaming them, but here's the deal. I, I know I'm harder in some ways. I'm more lenient in some ways, but I'm parenting how God's ordered me to parent. And I'm telling you, the Bible commands us all to train up a child in the way that he should go. You want them to deal with God chastising them the right way? You don't have to teach them how to deal with your chastisement. That's good right there. You won't chastise them. Half of this, half of this diaper pain I see is not discipline. Come on, somebody. I need a little help. Don't die on me. I'm help, I'm trying I'm trying to save your family. Yes, sir. Trying to save your family. I, you grab them by the arm and give them a little a half cup, a half cup, there's more air in there than there are anything. And, and you better, and, and say, that's what you get. They didn't learn a blessed spot. 
hard thing because as soon as you turn around, they're right back doing it. I'm, I, I, listen, I'm going to tell you how I do it. I jerk them pants down. I jerk them diapers off and them boxes down. And I bend them over a couch, a chair, or my knee. And I bust the hide off their rear end. And then I explain to them, I'm not mad at you. I don't hate you. I love you. And if you can't learn how to listen to me, you're never going to listen to God. If you can't honor me, you're never going to honor God. If you don't fear me, you'll never fear God. Do you understand? Yes, daddy, I understand. And not one day's went by that they didn't hug me and kiss me and tell me they love me because they know I'm doing what I'm doing out of love. But if you won't do it, You're going to open the highway up. When they're going to start telling you when they hit 18, they're going to start telling you what you're going to do. Yeah, buddy, you're preaching around. Come on, preach. Well, this boy right here did. Father, give me. Are y'all with this? Yes, sir. Father, give me. Why do you have the boldness to say that? It's apparent to me that throughout his life, his daddy may not have stood in some of the ways he should have. Are you listening? Well, I just I just don't feel like fighting with them. Time out. Where, where, where did that evolve from? Fighting with fighting with who? Your four year old? And I ain't to call me. I think that was my brother Dax. I believe he was on the road. I ain't going to have to talk to yourself. I can't do a thing with you. I said, time out. What? You're going to talk Elijah. I'm, he's driving me nuts. I can't do nothing with you. I said, say that one more time. I can't do nothing with him. I said, he's far. What do you mean you can't do nothing? He's strong. You're stronger. Yeah. She didn't want to bring it out. She didn't make him feel she can make him cry. Yes, sir. She can make it. She does me all the time. <laughs> yeah. She can. And it's a matter of she don't want to. Because she's mine. But can I say, if you really love them boys, and them little girls, you're going to teach them. That's exactly right, sir. You're going to instruct them and train them and discipline them. I don't want to cry. Now, I may beat the devil out of my kids and they don't graze up and, and raise them up. Everything go right and they all, all, five, all 15 of them go nuts. Could happen. But it's not because I did not train them. It'll be because they wanted the far country more than they wanted to be in the father's house. Well, I got to move on. Parenting a prodigal. Secondly, as a parent of a prodigal, you must live with separation. You've got to learn how to stand, but you've got to live with separation. Look at verse 13. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey in the far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. May I say it's okay to ask your prodigal not to go? Don't you think daddy was probably asking him, now son, don't go. I believe it's okay to beg them to stay. 
Y'all with me? I mean, I think it's okay to tell them not to go and beg them to stay. I believe that's a parent's natural reaction. But at the end of the day, if their heart is in the far country, listen to me, that's where they're going no matter who it hurts. Now here's the deal. You've got to learn how to live with separation. You've got to remember they had their bed ready and available to stay with you. They had their seat at the table. They had their clothes and their closets full of clothes. But they chose to separate themselves by leaving out on the trail of sin and self. Mom and dad, quit guilting yourself to that. Quit, quit guilting yourself to death that you're not doing with them what you're doing with your other children. They are the ones that separated themselves. Not one time does daddy go down there to fellowship. Hello, I need a little help tonight. Not one time does he say, well, that's my son. I mean, you got to understand, it's Christmas. Not one time you say, well, that's my son, but it is Thanksgiving. Hey, if he wants to be at the table, he can leave the far country. If he wants to open presents, he can leave the far country. If he wants to celebrate birthdays, he can leave the far country. You've got to learn how to live with the separation that the prodigal created. You did not put separation there. They did. Are you listening? I'm not saying write them off to the point that you will refute. Listen, you, I'm not saying that. You love them. That's never going to stop. If they need you, you need to be there. I, I've, you know, the situation, just for recording's sake, but the prodigal, and I'm I said, I don't care when it is, where it is, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning. If you need me, I'm coming. Okay, how far? Go. I'm going to be there. But I'm going nice. And here's why what God showed me. If I want the prodigal to get out of the far country, the prodigal's got to feel that separation. Right. Yes, it's not. It's not a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna show. No. 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 They've got to be isolated. Yeah. They. 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 They're not going to think about. Holy cow! Maybe I shouldn't be here. If we're always aiding them, if we're always sitting at the at the at the carnival with them, for high fiving and, and breaking bread together, then then they go back to the far country. Ooh. What are, they, what are they suffering? Well, it ain't the same because every time I'm around them, I talk about it. Okay, but they can deal with you talking about it. They're still getting to see you. They're still getting to be around you. They're still getting to hug you and hold you and kiss you and love you. And they, they, There's still enough connection there that they are reasoning themselves right back to their rebellion. You've got to learn how to live in separation that you did not create. Too many times, parents of prodigals end up in the far country with their prodigals because they could not handle separation. They feel guilty for something they did not do. 
prodigal chose the pigs over his parents. The pro- as a parent of the prodigal, you must learn how to live separated from their life of sin. May I say as a parent of a prodigal, you can't go get them. You can't go join them. You sure can't enable them. If you're a parent of a prodigal, you must learn how to love them enough to leave them where they left for. Don't mean you don't love them. But you got you to love them enough to leave them. Hello? You have to love them enough to leave them because until they're left and they look like this particle and there was no man, they're not seeing the reality of their rebellion. They're blind to it because these things, according to the Bible, must take place in order for their eyes to be opened. This is what God showed me in its ear. Look at it. He parented this way. He lived with that separation. You say, well, he just didn't care. Bull! Because as soon as the prodigal came back home, the Bible said he seen him from afar. He was going out his eyes, staying on that road that led him away, hoping he would come home. But he had enough faith that he didn't get down on the road and travel the same path. Listen to me, you may not get all the way down the far country, but God don't want you leaving the porch. Hello. He don't want you meeting them halfway on the road to rebellion. Right? No, sir. They must suffer. I know. You say, yeah, you ain't never been there. You say, it's your child. I know, and God forbid, I may have to live it one day. But this is what this Bible's showing us. Daddy never went to the far country. When he was broke and eating corn cobs and walking around the mud, daddy wasn't there. He was at the house. And if son, prodigal, warned his parents, guess what had to happen? He had to get out of the mud and go back to his mansion. Hello! Here's a question. What if the prodigal's parents were constantly going to the far country? Check on him, cook him dinner, pay for his groceries, find him somewhere to rent. Give him money, a hug, a Christmas card. Reckon he'd ever came to himself and went back home? You don't know why he went back home? He missed the things that were at home. They ain't never coming home back to Christ until they've lost the things they had while living for Christ. There's no desire to have something you already have. They have to lose. They have to lose. And I say the worst thing you can do as a parent of a prodigal is try to keep a relationship with somebody that loves pleasure more than their own parents. I hate to tell you, but if you've got a prodigal and they're refusing to get right, won't get right with God, it's because they love their pleasure more than they love their parents, more than they love their church, more than they love their church family. But most sadly, more than they love God. They love their pleasures more than they love God. And those pleasures, we all know. How many of y'all tasted the world? Oh, it, it's good for about 15 minutes. And then it don't do for you what it once did. Works the same way for them. That taste that's so sweet right now will eventually become bitter. You know what they're going to miss? Mama's cooking. Yeah. <laughs> you know what they're going to miss? They're going to miss the fellowship Sundays. Mama. They're going to get to missing the Christmas play in the choir. Yeah. 
missing being a part of the fall fellowship. And they're going to get to missing when the Lord would move in and we'd just pray together on the altar on a Wednesday night. They'll get to missing them things when they lose in the far country. Can I say everything in this world? Everything this world has to offer is temporary. The excitement of sin runs out. The feeling of independence and maturity, it runs out. The popularity and pleasures run out. When everything runs out, guess where they'll run? Home. They'll run home. Thirdly, more things will be done. As a parent of a prodigal, number one, we said, <laughs> you've got to learn how to stand. Number two, you've got to live with separation. Number three, you've got to let them suffer. I've already made a few mentions of it, but look in verse 14. And when he, the prodigal, had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. By the way, far country always ends up in a famine. Always. Uh, He spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. He began to be in want. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed uh, swine. Verse 16, and he would feign. Does anybody know what that word feign means? It means gladly. And uh, verse 16, he would have fain or he would have gladly filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. Parents of a prodigal, you have to let them suffer. Write this down. A life lived for self and sin will always end with suffering. A life lived for self and sin will always end with suffering. Can I say all throughout the Word of God we see a repeated pattern of sinful living and selfish living that ends up in suffering. A life of suffering living. That's exactly where the prodigal ends up. Can I show you the process of suffering? If you're a parent of a prodigal, here's the process of suffering that your child must endure and go through. Number one, we see he wasted his substance. That's step number one, verse 13. Not many days after the younger son gathered and took his journey to far country, they wasted his substance. That's the first process of suffering. You know what the prodigal does when they leave home and go to the far country? First thing they do is take every valuable thing you've invested in them and they blow it to hell and back. They waste it. They waste it. That's the number one step. How you on? How, I don't know. Am I on the road to suffering? Are you wasting your substance? Right here is the best substance we'll ever know. Both now and in eternity. Can I remind you? He's esteemed his word above his own name. And many, many prodigals, if they're a prodigal, they have to know something about this. Can't be a prodigal if you're, if you're not saved. Can't be a prodigal if you're lost, you're lost. The prodigal in this situation, he knew better. He had substance, but he wasted it. Well, I just don't, I mean, I know that's what we've always read, but that ain't the way I, I view it. Wasting substance. Well, I know you've always preached this, but I mean, you just don't know where I'm at. Wasting substance. That's the first step. To suffering. Secondly, not only do we see wasted substance, number two, he began to be in want. Look at verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Yeah. Everybody see that? 
Can I say once they start wasting, eventually they run out of stuff to waste and then they begin to be in want. This is the process of suffering. And, and, and so now, he's needing some things he don't have. But he's still making it. Thirdly, after he's wasted substance and begin to be in want, then we see he went deeper in sin. Parents of prodigals. I hope you all stay with me. You know what often happens? Just when you think, oh, they're fixing to come back, they go deeper. Look at verse 15. In verse 14, he's in want. Verse 13, he's wasted his substance. He's blew everything his daddy invested in him. Verse 14, he's in want. He has nothing. Verse 15, surely now that he's in want, he ain't got no money. Surely he's going to go home, right? Verse 15. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Does everybody see that? Did he get closer to going home or further away? He has now joined forces with a citizen of the... In other words, he has now made a new connection with a hell-bound sinner. Sound familiar, prodigal parents? Well, I mean, he's at rock bottom. I thought he'd just come home, but instead, he moved in the meth house. Went deeper. I thought they was going to come home instead they went, went back and now they won't even talk about it. Went deeper. It's part of the process of suffering. This is all stuff God showed me. I've never seen. It's part of the suffering process. It's what God allows them to do in order for them to suffer greater. God, God, they go deeper in sin because God wants them to suffer greater. Oh, no, I thought God was a God of love. He loves you so much, He'll let you suffer so you'll see a need for Him. Fourthly, this is the process of suffering. He wasted his substance. He began to be in want. He went deeper in sin. Then, then fourthly, he found himself without. Look at verse 16. And he would have fain filled his bed with the husk that swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. He would have gladly ate, but nobody would even give him their stinking slop leftovers. That's coming for your prodigal. As long as you're not down there giving them bacon. Hello? As long as you're not running them ribeyes. As long as you're not keeping them at the family reunion and sitting home with the dough plates. They're going to starve to death and they're going to be in want and then they're going to go deeper and they're going to go further and then they're going to find out they are totally without help and without hope. What happens in this process of suffering? He wasted his substance. He began to be in want. He went deeper in sin. He found himself without. But look at verse 17. After this process has played out, guess what happened? He woke up. He woke up. Look at verse 17. And when he came to himself, can I say, if the first three things, four things would have never taken place, verse 17, don't get wrote down. Is everybody still in the building? If the first four steps of suffering do not occur, he don't wake up. He had to hit bottom until one day he said, Whoa. He came to himself. Listen, if you're not willing to let your prodigal suffer as a parent, then the reality of them ever coming to themselves and waking up is very slim. Right. 
They this is the process of suffering. How you know it's what God showed me? It's right there. Can you not see it? He, in verse 13, wasted his substance. That's the first step out the door. And then he began to be in want. Then he went deeper in sin. Then he found himself without in verse 16. Then he woke up. And I say until the process of suffering comes to pass, the prodigal will never get tired of their sin. And until they get sick and tired of their sin, the prodigal will never come home, never come to himself. As a parent of a prodigal, you must let them suffer. Because if you don't let them hit rock bottom, they're never going to reconsider being a prodigal. I believe many times parents are the reasons that their prodigal never comes home. I believe that. They won't leave them, they won't leave them down there in the pig pen. They all the time run and pick them up, bring them to the house, give them a shower and a good, good meal, and then out the door they go. No thank you. No nothing. They go back serving self. And then they go down the far country and they take them something else. And no thank you. Don't, don't give a rip. They didn't care the first time to blow your substance, blow the inheritance. You think they're going to care down the road? No. As long as you supply them, they're just going to stay where they're at. Hello? No matter how bad you want to interfere, you can't. Are you listening? We don't see where daddy wrote him a letter every day. Begging him to come home either. Yeah, right. He wasn't sending emails, texts, and phone calls. We sure miss you. He proved he missed him when he finally did come to himself, got sick of being down there all alone. His daddy tackled him in the middle of the road. Yeah. Fell on him, kissed him, hugged him, robed him, put a ring in the shoes. And a, I, I mean, it was obvious daddy was looking for him to come home. Yeah. But he had to get down there and do some suffering. Write this down. I know we're slowing down. I'm pastoring. I'm not evangelizing. Write this down. The process of suffering. I didn't get this from Google either. Or a sermon book or an illustration book or a quote book. It's what the Lord gave me. The process of suffering must take place. In order for them to process their suffering. Yeah. Does everybody get that? The process of suffering must take place in order for them to process their suffering. They're never going to sit down and realize all that they have experienced until you let them suffer. They can't process suffering until you allow the process of suffering to occur in their life. Notice what suffering does. Notice the change. Give me 10 minutes and I'll be done. Look at verse 12 quickly. Father, or the younger of them said to his father, give me. Does everybody see that? Look at verse 17. After he suffered now, he came to himself and said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare? I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father. And was saying to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Notice the next two words in verse 19. Make me as one of thy hired servants. In verse 12, before suffering, it's give me. It's all about him. But in verse 19, after he's been down there in the far country suffering, he said, just make me a servant. Wow, what an attitude adjustment. You don't know how that happened? 
Daddy left him in the pig slop. Let him be hungry and cold, naked and jobless, and did not aid him. Verse 12, he says, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. What's verse 18 say? I'll arise, go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. In verse 12, he said, hey, I'm your son. I deserve something. Right. Verse 18 and 19, he said, I'm your son, but I don't deserve to be called your son. Right. Where'd that come from? Suffering. Yeah. Sir. Suffering. You want them to see like you see it? They got to suffer. Man, man. I say as bad as it hurts as the parent of a prodigal to watch them suffer. Because of their own selfishness and their own sin, you are doing them a great injustice by trying to ease their suffering. For without great suffering, there will be no godly sorrow. Fourthly, this is the last point. Eight minutes. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it out in eight minutes. How to parent a prodigal. Learn how to stand. I think that's greatly important. Let them suffer. Live with separation. But here's the main thing that you can't fail to do. As a parent of a prodigal, number four, lastly, you must leave them a seat. You must leave them a seat. Look at verse 20. He arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran and fell on his neck, kissed him. The son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and thy son, no more worthy to be called thy son. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe. Put it on him and put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf, kill it, let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Can I say the only way this works out for the prodigal is if he or she comes home. As a parent, you cannot relocate their seat in order to occupy their sin. Hello? You can't move the table to the far country. You've got to stay where you're at. Yeah. Just leave their seat pulled out. Anytime they want to come home, it's waiting for them. There's always a seat at the table, but they got to come home to get that seat at the table. If the prodigal wants to sit at your table, they must leave the far country. Can I say from verse 17 to verse 24, I find several things worth making mention of concerning the prodigal's return. I'm going to spout these out quick, so write them down. First of all, we see the occasion of his return. Look at verse 17. Why did he come? Affliction. And when he came to himself, he said, I'm a hired servant. My father said, bread enough to spare. Look here. He didn't just say, I'm hungry. He said, I perish. In other words, I'm dying. I'm so hungry, I'm dying. Can I say, the, uh, in the return, leave a seat open, leave them a seat. Uh, number one, we see the occasion of his return. Why should you leave them a seat at the table? Because the occasion of his return, affliction, when he was in want for the first time, that's when he came to himself. Why must you leave them a seat at the table? Secondly, we see the consideration of his return. Verse 17. He said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. We not only see his affliction, we see his reflection. He's looking back on the life it was. You know what he says? My God, I'm literally about to die of hunger. And I know servants that ain't worth shooting that's got more than enough to live on at the Father's house. Hello. And I say when they get down there in that far country, and they start suffering affliction, then they'll start having a moment of affliction. Yeah. And they look back and they see, my God, so-and-so 
that all the time whining and crying and crying was the worst church member ever. But they're doing way better than I'm doing because they're at the Father's house. They seem to have a lot more joy than I got. I used to think they were miserable, but look at me. They start reflecting on the Father's house. He realized, I will die if I don't get something to eat. And the low-down servants at my Father's house, they don't just have bread, they got something to spare. The consideration of his return. Can I say this? If you're writing notes, write this down. Consideration is the first step of conversion. They're not going to come back and get right with God until they start considering some things. What did he consider? Number one, he considered how bad his condition was. He said, I perish with hunger. Number two, he considered how much better it it would have been if he would return. He said, how many hired servants of my father's uh, had bread enough and to spare? And then we find this. There's not only enough uh, for them, but there's enough for all. Even the hired servants in God's family are well provided for. Can I get a witness? Even the bad church members that nobody really enjoys being around. God's taking care of them too. Amen. Help me somebody. God's caring for them too. They're a lot better off than the prodigal is. Because all these things may be considered as parents of the prodigal. You must leave a seat at the table. Why must you leave a seat at the table? Thirdly, I'm hurrying along. We see thirdly, the restoration of his return. Look at verse 18, or verse 20, excuse me. He rose, came to his father, who was a great way off. The father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, kissed him. The son said to the father, I've sinned against heaven, and in my sight no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring the fatted calf, and kill it, let us eat and be married. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Isn't it amazing? I'm wrapping this up. Isn't it amazing that this previously selfish prodigal, once he returns home, he he now returns with the attitude that being a servant would be more than enough. But just like God does, hey, you know I'm a prodigal. Just like God does, he restores the whole thing. He restores the relationship. They're not a second class servant. He said, absolutely not. I'm not going to make you a servant. Go get the best robe. Go get the best uh, uh, ribeye. Go get the best ring. Go get the best set of Reeboks and put them on my side. You ain't no servant. You're a son. Hey, help me right here. Once a son, always a son. Why do we leave a seat open for restoration? We don't treat them like second class citizens. They're sons and daughters. Amen. As a parent of a prodigal, you must leave them a seat so they can be restored and get victory over their guilt, their sin, their shame. Can I say this? The prodigal would have been content being a servant, but God leaves him a seat at the table as a son. I'm going to close with this. One writer said, it is here we see the eyes of mercy. Those eyes are quick-sighted. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Before any other of the family were aware of him, as as if from the top of some high tower he had been looking that way, which his son was gone. With such a thought as this, oh, that I could see yonder that wretched son of mine coming home. 
This exemplifies God's desire of the conversion of both saints and sinners and His readiness to meet them that are coming towards Him. He looketh on men when they are gone astray from Him to see whether they will return to Him. And He is aware. Look here, I love when I read this. He is aware. God is aware of the first inclination towards Him. The first thought of coming home. God's on the edge of His seat. Thank you, Lord. Isn't it amazing? 18 years old. I came running home. I didn't get saved.